If you have your Bibles, would you open them, please, to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at about three or four verses and a message I have never introduced this way before because I'd never seen it before. So we're in Matthew chapter 1. And if you have a cell phone, if you'd be so kind to put it on silent or uh, mute or vibrate, whatever you need to do, that would be a help. And... uh, Thank you again for that song. I could hear that over and over and over. I just love that song. I met the guy that wrote that song years ago when he was 12 years old. I was uh, oh, about 15, and uh, it's a long story. I'll tell you, tell you sometime. If you'll come back tonight, I'll tell you. And so uh, let's look down, please, in Matthew chapter uh, number 1. And looking in verse 21, uh, we have the, the lineage of Joseph in Matthew And then the lineage or genealogy of Mary is in Luke. We don't don't say much about Joseph during the Christmas story. Uh, uh, They don't have a song, Joseph, did you know? I mean, Joseph is kind of swept under the bus, to be honest. There was no equal rights for men back then. And so Joseph is like, who's that again? Uh, who's those three people? You know, you know, Mary we know, Jesus we know, and who's Joseph? And so um, the reason is he never says anything. There's a whole chapter of the angel appearing to Mary, and she rejoices. She quotes scriptures. She's praising God. She's got a cousin, and, and they're excited about the birth of Jesus. And then Joseph finds out his fiance is going to have a child. And he knows it's not his. He's heard of the virgin birth. But the chance his fiance is having a virgin birth is like seven billion to one. And he says, it's going to be over. My name is Mud. We're canceling this, this wedding. It's history. And then an angel appears to him and says, it's a miracle birth. And you marry this girl and you help her raise that son. What a great guy. You know, two people in the whole planet, God says, I'm going to pick two people to raise my son. Joseph was the stepdad. Mary was the mother. Such a special couple. I'm hoping you young people that are unmarried, that are here today, that you would live your life. So if God did this all over, he would pick you to be the parents. What an honor to be the parents Sometimes some churches overemphasize Mary, and sometimes the Baptist churches underemphasize her way too much. And there's a balance. But look at this little passage here, Matthew chapter 1, verse number 21. And the angel said to Joseph, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. So who got to name the baby? The angel said to Joseph, Thou shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. 
So again, the great character trait of Joseph is he could take orders. The angel told him what to do. He said, okay, take her as your wife, name the child Jesus. Okay, he could obey. And that command is still blessed today. When we obey the Lord, he'll bless us. Uh, It's the same God. Verse 25, and knew her not, it's talking about sexually, till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. So I thought for years, there's no recorded words in the Bible that Joseph ever said. And I found out this week I was wrong. Because somewhere along the line, after the baby was born, someone said, and what's his name going to be? Joseph finally spoke, Jesus. If you just had one word to say, what would your word be? You don't get any better than this one right here. Joseph just said, and I'm sure he spoke more than that or Mary wouldn't have dated him. You know, he say one word in his whole life. You know, I'm sure he said more than that. But at this point, and he called his name Jesus. I just want to speak this morning on the subject of Joseph's one word. And that's all we're going to talk about today. Not church, not money, not religion, not an offering. Jesus. Father, would you bless now this brief time? This is really what Christmas is all about. I will fail at what I'm trying to do today. I can never come close to exalting you to the position you deserve. I pray that somehow we'd get a taste of how great you are this morning. As we look at how big you are, help our problems and our worries and our sadness and our grief to get smaller being around the bigness of you. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. So what did they name the baby? We hear that all the time after a birth. What did they name the baby? His name was Jesus. In the Old Testament, his name is mentioned, but he's called Wonderful. Counselor. You need counseling? Jesus is a pretty good counselor. Prince of Peace. You need a tranquilizer. You need some peace in your turbulent life. His name is Peace. Everlasting Father. Almighty God. That's his Old Testament names. The theme of the Bible basically is this. If you were to read the whole Bible in one sitting, it basically says, if you can just get to Jesus and bring others to Jesus, you'll be okay. Christmas is Mary and Joseph next to that manger saying, hey, come. Just come. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Jesus in the manger is saying, hey, come. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hey, wise men, just come. Hey, shepherds, just come. Hey, uh, uh, elderly people in the temple, Anna and Simeon, just come. God uses seasons, problems, insecurities, grief, fears, trouble, health issues, and words to just get us to Jesus. I love that old song, Jesus is still the answer. He always was and always will be. He had no earthly Father, 
he just had an earthly mother, but his father was a heavenly father. He was a king whose servants were just common people. He was God in a human body. He always was. He was eternal in the heavens. If we interviewed Jesus at the manger, we could say, where are you from? And he'd have to say, on my mother's side, I'm from Bethlehem. But on my father's side, I left the throne of heaven to take this journey to earth. Well, what do you do, Jesus, baby Jesus? Well, on my mother's side, I'm a carpenter. On my father's side, I'm the savior of this world. Well, little baby Jesus, how old are you? Well, on my mother's side, I'm a few minutes old. On my father's side, I'm the ancient of days. I've always been uh, without beginning and without ending, and I'll always be. Why was he born? Pastor, So why all the hoopla and the star and the wise men and shepherds and the virgin birth? Why did he have to come to the earth as a baby? Couldn't he have just left heaven, came, died on the cross, 10 minutes later, rose from the dead and done it? He could have, but he wanted to feel. He wanted to live 33 years in a human body so tears would drip down his face so he could identify with you. He wanted to be around people who would pass away. So he could say, I am a man of sorrows and I've been acquainted with grief. I know what it is to go to the cemetery and see a loved one left there and come home alone. He wanted to feel pain, physical pain. He wanted to feel rejection, loneliness, homelessness, fatherlessness. He wanted to feel trouble and and, uh, 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 betrayal. So one day he could look at you and I and whisper in our ear, been there, done that. He came to the earth so he could relate, be our example. Die a death no one else could die. Pay our sin debt. The Bible says he has touched with our infirmities. That means even up in heaven right now, whatever you're feeling, somehow Jesus Christ, our Savior, is also feeling. There's a lot of famous people in history. In fact, there's a lot of famous people, I think, in this room right now. You may not be known here, but you're well known up there. But in history, we think of a Napoleon. We think of a Winston Churchill, an Abraham Lincoln. In philosophy, we think of a Socrates or a Plato. Not Plato for you young people. Oh, I heard of that. I got it for Christmas last year. Plato. No, no. I think of famous musicians, uh, Tchaikovsky's and Beethoven's and Mozart's and Bach's. But when you come to Jesus, he is in a class all of his own. If those famous people walked in our congregation today, perhaps we would strain our necks to get a look and maybe even stand in their honor. But if Jesus Christ of Nazareth walked in the back doors of our church and came down the aisle, I believe any of us with any sense would be kneeling. He doesn't even need a last name. No one ever asked Jesus who. He's so famous. Just one first name is all that we need. He who was rich became poor that we through his poverty might become rich. He's the theme of every book of the Bible, Old and New Testament. In Genesis, he's the beginning. Exodus, the exit out of the world. Leviticus, our sacrifice. Deuteronomy, truth worth repeating. 
Joshua, he's the captain of the Lord of hosts. Judges, he's the judge. Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. Samuel, first and second Samuel, he's the one that prepares us for life. Kings, he's the king. Chronicles, he's the glory in the temple. Job, he's our suffering companion. Psalms, he's the song in our heart. Proverbs, he's the wisdom in our head. Ecclesiastes, he's the one that stops our boredom. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, he is the major theme of all the major prophets. And Daniel, he's the one, he's the ancient of days. Hosea through Malachi, he's the major theme of all the minor prophets. And Matthew, he's the king. Mark, he's the servant. Luke, he's man. In John, he's God. In Acts, he's the soul winner. In Romans, he's our righteousness. In First and Second Corinthians, he's the glory in the local church. In Galatians, he's the gospel truth. Ephesians, he's the one seated next to the Father in the heavenlies. And uh, Philippians, he's our joy. Colossians, he's our, our, our priority. In Thessalonians, he's coming again. In Timothy, he's our sermon. In Titus, our message. In Philemon, he's our one that says, just put that on my account. In Hebrews, he is our high priest. In James, he's the one that works with us when we work. In First and Second Peter, he's the one that suffers with us. First John, he's the assurance of our salvation. Jude, he's the one that has wrath for a wicked world. Revelation, he's the one that will reign forever and ever and ever and ever. His name is Jesus. He's the theme of the temple. Moses' rod, the Passover, and every sacrifice point to our Savior. No one was ever like Jesus. No one ever had a birth like him. Foretold hundreds of years before the city. Foretold in Daniel the year. The star was forecast. It would shine. All of that told. A virgin would conceive. It was told how the birth would take place. No one ever had a childhood like Jesus. Some of you parents wish, oh, I wish I had a baby like Jesus. Oh, really? Oh, really? Perfection? Living with imperfection? How guilty would you feel every day? Can you imagine Mary kneels next to her bed at night to say her bedtime prayers? Jesus is in the next room. And Mary says, dear Lord. And Jesus in the next room says, yes. Can you imagine Joseph trying to teach Jesus and he walks him outside and uh, the sun, uh, uh, that's, uh, that's Jupiter and that's Venus and here's the Alpha Centauri and Orion, here's the stars and let's count them. One, two, maybe Jesus said, hey pops, let me save you some time. There's 8,768,903. What? I made them. <laughs> you want to know their names? I'll name them for you. Can you imagine? I can imagine Joseph saying, son, I've been thinking Jesus looked, at him, looked up at him and says, I, can I know your thoughts. And Pop, some of your thoughts aren't real pure. Uh, can you imagine raising the Christ child? I cannot imagine that. No one had a personal, personalness like Jesus. His name means God with us. You know what that means? The difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is this. We never do anything alone. We don't raise our kids alone. We've got someone with us. We don't bury our loved ones alone because our Savior is there with us. 
We don't live alone. We don't witness alone. We don't stand for right alone. We are never alone because his name is God with us. I love that. How does the unsaved, non-Christian world make it through the troubles of this life? They're all alone. No one had teen years like him. One, one night, Mary said, where's Jesus? Joseph said, I thought it was with you. I thought it was with you. I thought it was with the grandparents. They couldn't find him anywhere. Did he run away from home? No, he ran to the temple. And after three days, guess where they found him? As a teenager in the temple asking questions and teaching the scribes. No one lived like that as a teenager. No one ever forgave like Jesus. On the cross, they're spitting, they're mocking, they're laughing. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. No one ever preached like Jesus. The crowds would sit three days at a time, not eat anything, and just sat there listening to him. This morning, as I preached for three hours, you may... No. See, they lost you already. Three days they sat there. No one ever healed like Jesus. Sometimes he touched Sometimes he just spoke. Sometimes he made clay and anointed their eyes. No one did miracles like Jesus. In the middle of a storm, he spoke and the storm ceased. He cast out the demons out of the demoniac man in Gadara. And he just spoke and said, go. And all the demons had to flee. No one was approachable like Jesus. Name the political figure you'd like to meet or the rock star, the famous movie star. I guarantee you, you can't pick up the phone and call them. Oh, I was waiting on your call. This is Britney Spears. Yeah, come on by. Yeah, just stop on by. Taylor Swift. Yeah, come on by. I don't have anything to do. Uh, uh, You name the people. I mean, I even wrote Brock Purdy a letter before he became famous and he still didn't even return my letter. But we've got a savior that's approachable. You can say, dear Lord, and he is saying from heaven, I'm listening right now. You can approach him. He'll give you time. He's never too busy. The phone won't ring a a, a busy tone. He won't put you off. He won't text you later. It's immediate. No one ever cared like Jesus. His friend died. He wept. And they said, oh, how he loved him. No one was a soul winner like Jesus. The Bible said when he preached, Many believed on him while he was speaking. Before he ever gave the invitation and said, would you like to receive me as your savior? Many believed they were getting saved all over the crowd. He came to the tree, looked up. He saw Zacchaeus. He said, Zacchaeus, he knew his name. Come down because salvation is coming to your house today. A woman at the well, been married five times, living with her boyfriend, he saved her. A thief on the cross in his dying moments, what a soul winner. No one ever noticed like Jesus. The Bible says he looked at the crowd, he saw the crowd, that word saw means he looked past the surface, looked past their gender, past their occupation, past their financial status, and saw their broken hearts and their needs. No one ever warned like Jesus. If you've ever heard the term hell, fire, and damnation preacher, someone said, oh, I'd never want to hear one of those. You'd never want to hear Jesus then. No one ever preached against hell, uh, preached about hell and warned about it like Jesus did. Amen. No one was as humble as Jesus. God himself with his disciples, his last supper, grabbed a towel and knelt in front of each of those men and washed their feet 
and dried it with that towel. No one ever knew the Bible like Jesus. He started his ministry and at age 30, he picked up the scroll, unrolled it to Isaiah 61.1 and read that passage. The word was reading the word. I love it. No one ever died like Jesus. You say, Pastor, was it all about just the pain? No, it was more than that. He was dying as our substitute. God did a miracle on the cross that day, took the sins of all those who would ever live, past, present, us, even future, and he put our hell upon him on the cross those six hours. So when he died, he could say, it is finished. I paid for the sins of the whole world. No one's ever done that. That was our Savior's death. No one ever rose again from the dead like our Savior with his own power. The stone rolled back. Three days later, he walked out, conquered death because he was life. You can't kill life. No one ever will come back as our Savior. One day there'll be a trumpet sound. I believe, I I I can't guarantee it. I believe it's in my lifetime. I believe we'll hear a trumpet. I hope it's in slow motion. The Bible says it'll be in a moment. I mean, just that fast it's going to happen. But I hope it's slow motion. I hope we'll hear the trumpet look and say, it's the trumpet. You know, maybe it'll be slow motion. And we look at, hey, this is it. We're going to get lightheaded, lightfooted. We're going through the roof. You won't need a helmet. I don't know how it's going to happen. We're going to start flying. If you've been in a hot air balloon ride, maybe you've got a little thought of what the rapture is going to be like. If you've flown in a, uh, in, a, uh, uh, in a jet, perhaps you know a little, but we're going to be here and then we're going to be there. And our loved ones who've passed away will have their brand new bodies and we'll have our brand new bodies. We'll be young again. Now, ladies, I hate to warn you, if you have dyed your hair, we will not recognize you in heaven. It's all back to the, look, look, one's leaving right now. And, and uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. But it'll be back to the, and we're going to say, who are you? I don't know how all that goes. I don't know. But I know this, we'll be young again. And there won't be any time anymore. Well, I got this schedule. I got all this pressure. I got so much to do. No, we're going to have all eternity to talk. Amen. Well, we're always so busy. You know, I wish we could sit down and just uh, have a cup of coffee and just, just talk all the time. Up there, we'll have plenty of time. No rush. Hey, come over to my mansion for about 10,000 years. Let's, let's uh, have a little, uh, uh, a big cup of coffee. And it's going to happen one day. Well, I want to talk just for a few moments. We started off talking about he named him Jesus. The name of Jesus. It's a simple name. Every little child in our Sunday school class can say it. They don't need any pronunciation or literary guide. It's two syllables, Jesus. And if you cut the J-E-S out, guess who's in his name? Us. How do you like that? You say, Pastor, that isn't how it was in the Greek and the Hebrew. Okay, us. Anyway, it's a prayerful name. How many times have we prayed and at the end of our prayer said in Jesus' name? It's an exalted name. The Bible says God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. It's higher than anybody's name. You can't. Jesus' name trumps anybody's name. 
You give the celebrity, you give the president, you give the famous person, all you have to say is, Jesus, and that it's higher than the highest. It's greater than the greatest. He's richer than the richest. He's wiser than the wisest. He's kinder than the kindest. There's no one as exalted as Jesus. It's an authoritative name. He was in the garden and the, and the soldiers were wondering, which one's this Jesus guy, this rebel rouser? And they said, are you him? Jesus spoke up and said, I am he. And that was one of his names, I am. And when he said, I am he, the soldiers flew back in the air and landed on their backsides. Why? Because the great I am just said his name. It's authoritative. We raised three boys. Well, excuse me, three boys lived at our house. I remember sometimes I'd tell one of the boys, I'd say, hey, go take the garbage cans out. And then they would, they would delegate, you know, see a need and delegate. They'd look at one of their brothers. Hey, go take the, the garbage cans out. Well, who said? Uh, dad said. That dad said had a lot. And that's why we can look at this book and say, who said? Uh, Jesus said. Amen. It's authoritative. It's a saving name. The Bible says he shall save his people from their sins. That's in the Christmas story, Matthew 121, Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name given among men under heaven whereby ye must be saved. Romans 10.13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not only that, Jesus' name is a despised name. Here in our country, sad to say, we've X'd his name out. It's not a Christmas tree lot, it's an Xmas tree lot. Just put an X there. We don't want his name anywhere. In the Bible days, in the book of Acts chapter 11, it says, and they called them Christians first at Antioch. It was a derogatory name. The word Christian meant you're just like a little Christ, a little Jesus. No longer can we have nativity scenes in our cities, in our schools, because it may offend an atheist. My thought, let the atheist be offended. We were here first. Someone says, an atheist has a tough time when he feels gratitude, looks up, has nobody to thank. Someone came to an atheist funeral. Man, I'm on the atheist roll now. Uh, they came to an atheist funeral, looked in the casket and said, look, all dressed up, nowhere to go. It's a despised name. In the book of Acts, they said, and preach no longer in his name. They hate it. One of the presidents got inaugurated and the pastor who was asked to just say the prayer at the inauguration had to submit his typed up prayer in advance and could not mention Jesus. Lest he upset all the other world religions. It's a hated name. Someone ought to just leave church today, go in your neighborhood, get out of your car and just say, Jesus! <laughs> Not only that, it's a gathering name. He says, where two or three are gathered together, what's the Bible say? In my name. There will I be in the midst of them. You know, he's gathered us today. 
We got people from, from uh, Los Angeles area here today. Got people uh, visiting from Texas today. Got people from Missouri, not Missouri, Missouri uh, today. We got people visiting from the Philippines today. We even have people from Napa here today. <laughs> not many of you. It gathers us. Jesus' name lets people meet people they otherwise would have never, ever met. Not only that, it's a conquering name. The Bible says every knee shall bow. And every tongue confess. Why? At the name of Jesus. And what salvation is, is bowing now. When you get saved, you're just saying, you're right. Your word is right. Doesn't matter what I was raised and my background, what, what I think. What's true is your word just said, it's one way to heaven. It's through your death on the cross. It's not through the water and the baptistry. It's not through money that you give. It's not through a good life. It's not through being a certain religion. It's not through being a pastor. It's not through confession to a man. It's just through Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. It's inclusive, but it's just one way to heaven. And that upsets people on the news when they say, oh, so you're saying that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Well, what happens to everybody else? That's not my business. That's his business. That's what he said. He said, here's how you get there. If you don't go this way, you don't get there. Hey, you want to drive to the state of Washington? You got to go north. You can argue all you want to. You can go east and you can uh, uh, end up in Florida. And you can be mad about it. You got to go north to go to Washington. If you're going to go north and go to heaven, it's only through Jesus Christ. That's what he said. It's, 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 it's a conquering name. All hell the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him. Lord of all. I love that song. Quickly, we're out of time. It's a sending name. He says, go ye into all the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. I pray for our foreign missionaries this morning that are out of our church. We've got kids that grew up in our church and now they're in foreign countries. Why? It's a sending name. And God has sent them to other countries to do the same thing we're trying to do here. Proclaim the name of Jesus Christ so everyone has heard his name, understands who he is, so they can be saved as well. Take the name of Jesus with you. And then last, it's an encouraging name. It's an encouraging name. I've told the story before and I just love it. I'm going to tell it again. So if you've heard it, zone out. <laughs> and then zone back in when I tell you about the thousand dollars I'm giving every member today, okay? <laughs> this missionary went to an island to preach the gospel. And sometimes you think when a missionary goes to another country, all the people in that country just waiting, come save us. They're not. Some of them have bows and arrows and they're going to shoot the missionaries as they get off the plane and eat them for supper. It's not always conducive to a missionary coming. Well, a missionary came to an island and he preached the gospel for over a year and no one, no one got saved. No one wanted to hear it. No one listened he, he didn't establish the church. Finally, he had one convert on that island. One man accepted Christ. The missionary was so discouraged. He decided, I'm going to go to one more island. 
If God doesn't do something great on that island, I'm done. I'm coming back. I'm not going to be a missionary. I'm just a failure. We got in a little boat. He was about to pull away from the island. And that one convert, that one man that became a Christian was there at the, the shore. And he said, Mr. Missionary, he said, I forgot his name. He said, whose name? He said, the one that died for me. The one that rose again. The one that saved me. You told me, but I forgot his name. And the missionary just kind of shyly looked around him and said, his name is Jesus. And it's the sweetest name I know. The boat began to pull away and the missionary knew he had never seen that convert again. And the convert said, tell me his name one more time. And as the boat began to pull away, the missionary looked at the convert and said, his name is Jesus. And it's the sweetest name I know. About that time, the boat got a little further. Tears are escaping the missionary's eyes and the convert is weeping because there goes the one that led him to Christ. He said, tell me his name one more time. And the missionary now, unashamed, encouraged, was building up in his heart. He says, his name is Jesus. It's the sweetest name I know. Just by saying the name of Jesus encouraged that missionary. When he got to the next island, he set that island on fire for Jesus Christ. Dozens and dozens and dozens were saved. A church was established because the name of Jesus encourages. A dad was being irritated a little bit by his daughter. He was working it from home. He was trying to get something done and... So the daughter just kept coming in, asking questions. Finally, he had a puzzle. And he said, look, go in the other room, just put this together. It was a puzzle of the world. That'll keep her busy. And so it wasn't long. She came back in. She said, I'm done. He goes, what? It's a puzzle of the whole world. How'd you get it done so quickly? Here's what she said. Daddy, I don't know. I didn't know they made puzzles like this. But on one side of the puzzle was the world. On the flip side of the puzzle was the picture of Jesus. And when I got Jesus in his place, my world took care of itself. And dear Christian, if we will get Jesus in his place, our world will take care of itself. Now let me encourage you as we conclude the service. Don't miss it. You're going to have to walk past the tree, past the tinsel, past Salvation Army bell ringer, past all the gifts, and you're going to have to get to Jesus. He's the reason for the season. If you're here today, you do not know him personally. Christmas never makes any sense till you know the Christ of Christmas. It's kind of a pun, but he is the reason for the season. That's what it's about. Most of our world will be confused tomorrow. They won't pray a prayer, won't read the Christmas story. They'll just tear into gifts, drink their whiskey, and it's just another party. But it's so much more than that. We're going to invite you today. He gave the greatest gift, his life. The greatest gift he wants from you if you've never accepted him. If you're not saved, you're not a child of God.
is your heart. He'll take it as is with all your sins, with all your baggage, with all you've done, with all who you are. He will take you and save you and forgive you and cleanse you and give you a new record and start building your mansion and write your name in the book of life in permanent marker. And then he will be Emmanuel for you, God with us. And he'll leave this building and be with you for all eternity. What a gift. Who wouldn't want to take that? But you could take it today. Maybe you're here today. You've been saved. You've never been baptized. Your gift to him could be, all right, I'm finally going to be like Joseph. I'm going to obey. I'm going to get baptized today. And some of you, you just need to give him a burden, a broken heart. He's listening. He's paying attention. He sees you. You're not just a speck on a planet. He loves you very much. May I admonish you today. The one word Joseph said, Jesus. It's all we need.